Hi everyone, I'm Shane Hanlon, the host of Scientel. Just a note before we get rolling. Each episode is going to start with a quick story for me that somehow relates to something our interviewee said. Sometimes it might seem out of context, sometimes it'll be really spot on, but there's definitely a thread there. So without further ado, let's get into it. I used to jokingly call myself the Abe Lincoln of fellowships. Something that always stuck with me about Lincoln was how many times he ran for elected office and how many times he lost before finally succeeding. I could definitely relate to that. I applied to about a half dozen grad schools and only got into one, and frankly, it wasn't my first choice. But I went, and as a grad student, I applied for dozens of grants and fellowships and came up with a, a handful of small awards. I was waitlisted for the post-PhD fellowship that uh, ultimately brought me to Washington, D.C. I think, or at least I hope, that my current job uh, is the first time that I wasn't the second choice. But honestly, instead of being resentful, I've tried to learn from these situations. And at the end of the day, who cares how I got here? I'm being judged on where I'm going, not where I've been. Everyone has a story, even, or maybe especially, scientists. Science affects each and every one of us. Let's talk about it. From the American Geophysical Union, I'm Shane Hanlon, and this is Psy and Tell. I am so excited for this. A couple years ago, I had this idea to take audio from interviews we were doing with NASA scientists here at AGU and turn them into a podcast, mainly because I just didn't like the idea of unused audio. But during that pilot series where I piggybacked on our other podcast, Third Pod from the Sun, I realized the folks we were talking to were great examples of different people from different backgrounds in different parts of the sciences. They weren't perpetuating stereotypes of who scientists are and what they look like. They're just showing that anyone can be a scientist and that there is no one-size-fits-all formula when thinking about who's in the sciences. Well, now we're back for our first official... I guess, season? We're going to bring y'all 12 interviews with scientists, mostly from NASA, who is the sponsor for this season, who talk about their career path, successes and failures, inspirations, and more. For our first episode, we talked with Karen St. Germain, Division Director of the Earth Science Division and the Science Mission Director at NASA. That's a long title. That basically means Karen does some really cool and impressive stuff. So enough from me. Let's hear from Karen. Our interviewer was Paul Molin. My name is Karen St. Germain, and I am the Director of Earth Science for NASA. And that means I, I lead the team of scientists, engineers, and, and programs to use the unique vantage point of space to study our home planet and understand how the processes on Earth work. When I was a little girl, I absolutely loved solving problems. I was, I was really energized by, by that, solving puzzles and exploring. So it's, uh, science is really the convergence of those two things, right? It's, it's understanding how things work, solving problems, and frankly, exploring to find the answers. So this was a, a, a natural endeavor for me. I have had mentors, and I'll say more broadly, people who believed in me going all the way back to those junior high days 
And uh, and then throughout college and graduate school, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. When I was in junior high, I was really struggling with algebra. And the default response of the system was, well, you don't, you, you probably won't use it anyway. But I had one teacher uh, and I went to summer school to try to try to really catch up. And uh, I had one teacher who really took an interest. She knew that I was smart and she knew that there must be just something that I was missing. And she focused on helping me figure out what that concept was that I, that I had missed somewhere along the way. And after that, math fell into place for me. Have you now, as your careers moved on, been able to kind of reverse that role and mentor young scientists and engineers as, as they've come up through the ranks and been able to, to kind of give back a little bit there? I sure have tried to, uh, and that that includes things like going back to my alma mater and, and, and talking with students. It includes serving on panels, but closer to home, it includes really challenging the the younger people on on my team, you know, giving them opportunities to really stretch, to do things that they didn't know they could do, and encouraging them along the way to do that, helping them work through problems and challenges, because those are the things that were really most valuable to me, that people did for me. You know, you, you learn more when things aren't going well than you learn when they are going well. So, so that's the time when you can really use the additional support. I would say over the course of a career, the real hurdle for me has been, and it's not a hurdle, but the real challenge has been Knowing when to stick with it, whatever it is, and 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 you know, and just keep grinding through, and knowing when it was time to maybe make a change, build a new perspective and and a new set of skills, and then and then trusting that that decision was the right one. So it's 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 not a single you know major event. It's more the the a career is built on the collection of everyday individual decisions, right? And so it's, it's, it's being consistent and being true in those everyday decisions that I think is actually the biggest challenge. And, you know, from my experience in my field, which is obviously completely different than yours, but a lot of that, you know, being able to look at a, a problem and, you know, and switch gears or to stick with a decision, like you said, a lot of that seems to like, one, it comes down to confidence and two, having a, a pretty strong network of people that you can use as a sounding board. Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think that's an important an important thing for everyone to do. And that means a, a, a network that is not that not only consists of people who do what you do, but also people who have very different perspectives. So I'm very lucky. I've I've got friends in my life who have been friends for for 30 years. And, uh, and they do very different things than I do, but we do that for each other. We, we, we talk one another through those challenges and, and provide that sort of very blunt feedback that we all need sometimes. So I've been very lucky in my life to have mentors and, and good friends who've been willing to do that. But as you mentioned earlier, one has to be willing to do that in return, right? To be that for other people. And so it's a mutual investment in those relationships. 
And those people can also help you with the bravery, right? They can help with the encouragement because sometimes they see things about you that you don't see about yourself. I find in in my career, sometimes it's not necessarily that you have to make the right decision all the time. It's like you have to have the confidence to make a decision before you can move forward. And maybe as you move forward, you'll find out it was the wrong one. But making a decision can be more of an asset than just hemming and hawing and being uncertain about how you want to move forward. That is absolutely true. I often think about my eighth grade softball coach when I think about that kind of of situation. So I had always been an infielder when I played softball as a kid. I was sort of a utility infielder. But my coach believed, especially at that age, he said, you know, everybody should try every position, right? You know, you really ought ought to explore. So he put me in the outfield. He put me in center field. And I was lost. And, uh, you know, and, and he said, St. Germain, what, what are you doing out there? What, what are you waiting for? And, and, you know, when somebody would hit a ball out to, toward, you know, in my general direction that I was responsible for fielding, I, I'd never get there in time. And he walked out, you know, I'll never forget it, right? Walked out, slow walk out to center field. And he said, look, the second you see that batter's bat come off their shoulder, you know, in other words, is, is the minute you see that they're taking a swing, you start moving. And I said, but coach, how do I know where the ball's going to go? And he said, it doesn't matter. No matter where the ball goes, you will get there faster if you are moving than you will from a dead stop if you're, if you're standing still waiting to see where the ball goes. And I have found that to be true in almost every aspect of life, right? If if you're afraid to move, if you're, if you're standing still waiting to figure out exactly what to do, you're going to be late to the game. The fact is, my entire life, I was a B-plus student, but I was a B-plus student with a lot of grit and, uh, and, a, and a great network of, of friends and family that were just positive influences. But I didn't get to this position because I was I was born with a with a particular gift. Look, I, I I've got a good brain, that's true. But along the way there was and still is a lot of hard work and paying attention to relationships with people and paying attention to learning how to communicate. You know, this is this is the the piece of advice I give to students all the time. Is there are two things that are important, right? Really paying attention to your own passion, right? Paying attention to what gets you fired up. And because if you're going to excel, you're going to need that passion, right? So that's one thing. But the other thing is to take every opportunity to practice communicating with people who don't do what you do. Because that's that's the other thing that's really going to give you give you an edge, right? Is if you can be the one who can tell the story. My job, when I'm not podcasting, is to teach fellow scientists how to communicate more effectively. And I swear I didn't ask Karen to plug this. But she has a point. If we as scientists don't get out there to talk about science, someone else will. This is a good thing to keep in mind, especially now. And I want to thank Karen for sharing her story with us. Special thanks to NASA for making this episode possible, and to Paul Molin for conducting the interview. If you liked what you've heard, stay tuned for future episodes. 
You can subscribe to Scientel wherever you get your podcasts and find us at Scientel, all spelled out, dot org. From the scientist in a studio to all of you out there in the world, thanks for listening to our stories. <laughs>